Hey, sports fans and savages, Greg Medford. Welcome to the Greg Medford Show in Phoenix, Arizona. I basically had to take an emotional timeout after the election just because things got so wackadoo here in Arizona, as I'm sure you saw. So we are shifting over for this season of shows and going to do some stuff that's off political topic. So those of you who don't know, and why would any of you possibly know this, um, I was binge watching on Netflix a few months ago and I started watching Drive to Survive, uh, which just got me completely hooked. Now, I think the drivers are a bunch of little queer baits and that whole racing thing is too European faggoty for me, but the whole thing was so much fun. The drama was amazing. And when I started, I fell into the rabbit hole of watching guys get a chance to drive a, not like a mock F1, but a real F1 car, a couple years old. And they were kind of freaked out by what an experience it was. And then in my past, I was an airshow performer and was a stunt pilot. So I like fast stuff that's kind of on the ragged, hairy edge. And the F1 thing looks way more on the ragged, hairy edge than even being an airshow pilot at 200 and 50 knots on the down lines, doing snap rolls, headed towards the runway, five feet off the ground. So I was just like, oh, my God. So there's something about the performance and the intensity of all that I really dig. And uh, so anyway, back and forth, a couple of things kind of connect. Uh, I had met a young fella uh, at when I was doing some CrossFit for a while and ended up, turned out his dad is my commercial electrician. Uh, contracting company he owns the company and we connected a little bit and uh, uh, when I found out what he was doing uh, he's doing he was doing some international cart training and all of that and I'm sure I'm getting some of this wrong because I'm a recent fanboy and I really like the performance I'm not gay for all these uh, little wokeity woke little freaks that are driving the cars but um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that I think he knows a bunch of these guys or has met them uh, and is at least going to have some insight and we're going to talk about F1 and karting and kart racing and um, we're going to talk about a crazy video I watched a couple days ago with a 180 horsepower kart that was rampaging through a town in the Midwest um, have you, do you know the video I'm talking about? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'd have to look <laughs> it's but. spectacular anyways, we're going to talk about that you guys so our guest today is Cole Bailey Cole, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Thanks for coming to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, I know it's a weird, it's a weird lead into a show about. Tell me a little bit about. Give, give us all an idea of what you have been doing the last eight or nine years. Yeah. So, um, uh, last eight or nine years, uh, a lot of people are unfamiliar with karting. Um, it's kind of like the base baseline. Everyone, every Formula One driver, IndyCar driver, most NASCAR drivers start um, in karting when you're about five, six years old, and then usually you turn 15 16 17 and then you kind of make the transition into cars but a lot of people don't understand also uh karting's there's a very professional like high level as well for people that basically the running joke is that if you didn't have money to go car racing you just became a professional driver in karting so um that's kind of what i did for the last eight nine years so i drove for a lot of different teams and manufacturers in the U.S., um, the pinnacle is is in Europe. Like the European and World Championships is kind of where the European karting. Yeah, 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 that's kind of where all the carts are made. Most of the teams are based there. I mean, in the U.S., like every country has their own 
professional like national series but obviously at least for me i always wanted to be like a world or european champion so i always looked up to to those guys so i did that for eight or nine years is that a good proving ground for guys to go to f1 yeah have a lot of the f1 drivers come from that that, all of them them. yeah yeah so all of them have uh like if you watch um like leclerc verstappen uh albon russell those four guys like they were karting when i was um like not that long ago now um but they all race together i think max i think he has basically there's there's two categories so at the top senior level so there's single speed carts basically um it's direct drive now so it's called okay and then there's a junior level also single speed a direct drive called okj and then the class i ran is is kz which i mean they call it kz but it's a six speed gearbox with front brakes and the carts can go Hundred miles an hour, um, and that's kind of like the pinnacle class. It's fucking crazy yeah, how fast those yeah. things are. Yeah, like and I didn't get it. I saw one out at the airport. A guy had one um, out at Deer Valley, <laughs> and he was ripped around on the ramp one afternoon really? at like six o'clock in the afternoon. You know, the airport's kind of quiet, and guys started kind of drinking at the hangars. And I saw this boom! I saw this thing go by the hangar, and I was like, you know, I thought somebody had made a pass down the runway, which would have had to be like eight hundred knots at the speed he was going. Mm-hmm. But he had just gone by the, I just, you know, the thing zooms by the hangar. And I was like, what the hell was that? And I look out and I saw him going around a corner so fast. I was like, holy shit. And he kind of did some big laps. You know, it's probably a couple mile circuit, just hauling balls. <laughs> and it looks to me like if you flip one of those over, you'd be dead in one second. Uh, usually you just get tossed out and... <laughs> <laughs> and there's no seatbelts, no, right? No, And the point is to be tossed out. Yeah. You're not flopping around with yeah, a car. Yeah, you don't want to be stuck. And how fucked up do people get when they get flipped out? It depends. Like, it's actually a pretty safe sport for the most part. It does not look safe to me at all. I mean, I'm I'm still here. I got tossed a few times. But it's not it's not as bad as people think. It's it's almost like if you watch MotoGP, like the riders on the road bikes, like over in Europe. like That looks crazy, too. Yeah, but you don't... You don't it's not like motocross where you're falling... You know, 20, right, 30 right. Feet. So you're saying it's like you're out and you're just skidding across the ground. Yeah, I mean, it still hurts, but and it burns, but I mean, it's it's not. Yeah, I, I think it's fairly safe. I mean, there's been a few fatalities, obviously, just throughout time, but it's right. not. It's it's really rare. So, uh, I watched a, a cart video the other day. I was telling you, 185 horsepower cart, and the dude, and he was shifting up here, banging on banging on some shifter. He was ripping through a town, went past cops. I mean, so <laughs> fast, ripping around. It was unbelievable. It looked like the gangster race video of of all time. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen I've seen a lot of those videos. I don't know if I've seen that one. It but. was spectacular. Yeah. So uh, tell me uh, about the carts. Do they have... I know uh, in the aviation world where my background is, there are a lot of aircraft that are made to have, let's say, the sensitivity and feel of where you're going to get to. So there, there was a series of aircraft that, you know, the, the T-38 was made to have a lot of the same challenges as like the F-4 Phantom. They were the kind of generation of planes that came together. And then they had some trainers before that that were really trying to kind of simulate or at least mimic the feel and performance characteristics of the next step you'd get to. Are the carts like that? Or is it a, a, not just a radical leap in horsepower, but a radical change in reaction, hands, timing, are you saying to prepare for like the next like clat category? If someone can if someone can absolutely shred in carts. Like I've heard about some oh, okay. of the drivers, some of the F one drivers, I hear about them in the off season. They train. They go yeah. in cart and they mm-hmm. you know, some of the guys uh I forget who the guy was who was driving for Noel, the guy with the huge nose. Uh, 
there's a few of those probably uh i for, I, I forget i don't know all the Ocon names Ocon or or maybe who's you driving for alpine or renault i thought he was australian big oh or ricardo sorry ricardo, ricardo. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 and it's like he had gone back and done some karting like he has, a, he has a cart brand actually like a just like a line with his name on it basically okay. but yeah um, is, does it have a similar kind of reaction and kind of a twitchiness? Have you have you had a chance to uh, drive an F one car? No, no, oh. um, no. I, I never drove a Formula One car, of course. But I, I have a lot of the top drivers say like the class I drove, the KZ class, the Gearbox class is in a sense one of the most one of the like you could probably get. That's as close as a lot of people can get because the violence and aggression and like how everything reacts. Obviously, there's a huge difference with, with the tires and like a car has downforce. You have wings and all that. And a mm -hmm. cart, you don't have that. A car, you have suspension. A cart, like the chassis is the suspension. So like there's huge differences in that way. But just like the sheer acceleration, braking, it's probably in a sense somewhat similar. I, I don't think it's anything's going to make be the same as a shifter cart or, or a Formula One car. I think they're their own like worlds basically but i've heard that's why the guys do a lot of the testing because you can't go test a formula one car like right. they have the testing ban and everything so the closest thing they have is simulators Wait a minute, what's the testing ban what are you talking about um so there's uh the fia the sanctioning yep. body um they basically passed a bunch of basically measures to to restrict the costs and it costs a lot of money to go test like I mean, back in the day when they when cost, you say to go test, you mean like off season, be trying new stuff. Yeah, out or, or yeah, or even during the season. So, so they made a like huge push now to just build these simulators where they can kind of just theorize and do everything on a simulator. But I mean, back when I was a kid, I I think it was a little bit better to be honest because there was to me, no matter what cost caps you introduce, the cream is still going to rise to the top. So, um, I think restricting everyone's a little bit unfair. Um, but you used to be able to test like the big teams, Ferrari, McLaren. Um, Renault, I mean, this was before Red Bull, early 2000s. I mean, it was just basically like how much money can a manufacturer spend, Toyota. And they would just have a test team, a separate test team <laughs> that would go maybe just test. Just try and shoot out. Yeah, two, three days a week. And it was just, it was insane. But um, yeah, they've kind of gone away from that now, which is a bit, I don't know. I don't really like that. But I, Well, you, when you hear the rules, if you're not a racer or a fanboy, when you hear the rules from the outside looking in, it's a little, it can be a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the problem. I think a lot of people that are unfamiliar with racing, it's, it's hard initially to get for them to get interested because it's not as simple as like soccer or football or even golf or like the regulation is in Formula One change, whatever, two, three, four years sometimes. Um, so it's, it's a lot to wrap your head around. But There's I mean, also a crazy backstory. Like, um, I think the best thing that's ever happened for this style for, you know, for open wheel racing, honestly, is Netflix shows mm -hmm. because you get a chance to see the process. How else would you like, we don't need to see training camp to see mm -hmm. the NFL. You mm -hmm. watch the, you know, cause we all kind of know the, we all have the kind of tribal knowledge about football as Americans kind of grew up with it. We see it and we kind of get it. Um, it's hard for Europeans to get into American football because there's a whole backstory behind the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing for that style of racing. And the shows, like, totally captured me because it is, it is had, I've had zero interest in it ever. Because mm -hmm. it was like, I don't get it. With Lamar, what? You can't even say it right. I don't even yeah. know how to say it. But then I watched the show and I'm like, oh man, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. So Ford versus Ferrari, that opened a lot of Americans up to European racing. And then the series, 
I mean, I talk to guys about it all the time who are kind of knuckle draggers, and they almost kind of whisper like they're watching, uh, like, like they're watching field hockey or something. Yeah, like, hey, I've been watching this card. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I think a lot of people uh, to me now, like people that never even knew anything about, because I grew up around it, so I was always a fan. And of course, there was always a big, there's still a big fan base in the U.S. relatively since I was a kid. I mean, my my dad, you probably don't know, but he worked on an IndyCar team in the 80s. So, like, IndyCar was always kind of seen as, like, our version of that. And a yeah. lot of people in the U.S. either watch IndyCar or NASCAR. I mean, I grew up watching everything, so we always watched Formula One. But I never thought I would ever have random people from, from my church or my my school um, as a result of this Netflix show just asking me about it and just being blown away by it's, Formula it's One. It's crazy, right? It's insane. And I think they... I think Liberty Media at the time, they were the company that I don't, they, I think had something to do with it, the influence. And it was really smart because the way that they've made the show, it appeals to someone like me. It's not like too cheesy essentially. And I can it's, watch it's it. It's technical enough. Yeah, yeah. But then it also appeals to someone that's like never, me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm telling you, and I can't wait to watch. I can't, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. when is the next goddamn series? Yeah, exactly. Out? Yeah. 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 Um, and, and the thing is, is like, I was, you know, I was talking to Jeff about it. You saw in Jeff's office, he's, mm -hmm. he's been into that for years and he's been to Grand Prix and been to Monaco and you know, okay. watched all these races. Yeah. So, I'm like, I, I want to go. I want to yeah. go to one live because it looks like it would just be like kind of awesome yeah. experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've actually never been to a Grand Prix. Uh, I plan on it hopefully in the future sometime soon regarding, depending on what the uh, work situation is. But um, depending on what happens in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd like to go to Vegas, but I, I always wanted to go to more of the European races just because as a kid I grew up watching those races. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Vegas sounds amazing too. So Monaco sounds crazy, but it seems like one of those things where I'd go there and unless you've like been going for 30 years, you're <laughs> just going to be like it's some corner someplace Stuck somewhere yeah drinking yeah. Uh, california wine yeah people laughing at you and throwing yeah. grapes as you walk yeah. by so um talk to me uh you, you did the professional carding mm -hmm. you did that for uh nine eight, years eight nine years yeah. yeah and uh what what ended it for you um I, honestly i think it was burnout was part of it um so i was 20 i'm 25 now so i was 24 at that time last year um, and a lot of the professional drivers, like they kind of start, you know, quitting or not, or just retiring or just getting burnt out when you're mid to late twenties. Uh, a lot of the kids coming up are younger and younger and then they go car racing when they're probably 17, 16 now. Um, so it was partially burnout. I mean, the team that I was on, they, had, it was kind of like a dream deal. Um, they gave me a contract at the beginning of 20 or the end of 2020 actually, or no. Yeah. 2020. Sorry. And and it was kind of like one of those teams that I I always dreamed to drive for. Where and, where were you driving? Um, I was still based here, so the track we have a track here in Phoenix, and then a track in Tucson. But most of the races are national, so like East Coast, Midwest. I think there's one one or two big races in California. So North American circuit. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, so yeah, I signed the contract, and it was like, okay, this is a dream come true. We can do all the testing development we want. Like this is exactly what I want. What's the team? Um, it was actually a comp cart. Okay, um, so they are um. They've been around forever, and and they're kind of like I don't know if I can put it into perspective, but if you're familiar with like NASCAR, IndyCar, like to me they were always the Team Penske of karting. Like okay. everything they did was just perfect, okay. um, and they still do everything fairly perfect. And you drove for them for most of that time, just 2021. So 20. before that, I had driven for multiple teams, but this was kind of like leading up to the ending of my driving career. And then meanwhile, I had I had also um, come on board as like a athlete manager and a coach for a London-based sports agency that. Basically, they have drivers from 
karting and then the goals to get them from karting to car racing so we had professional drivers and they had me in charge of like the u.s driver academy so i would scout drivers coach them go to the races do all the mental or not mental fitness and nutrition training um, stuff we had a kind of a guy that would help with like the psychological side it was an option at the time um so, so it was basically it was the minor league it was a, it was the kinda, feeder, feeders for trying to get to the majors per, yeah in a way but the kid because in cart you do karting and then usually you go to formula four formula three formula two formula one or you do formula four and then after that if you want to go sports car racing you can go do that you can do indycar um so yeah i was kind of a scout and then a coach so i did that for two and a half almost three years for them uh, up until a couple months ago actually and then Meanwhile, I was racing um, 2021 for Comp Cart. And then on paper, it was great. Like, team was great. Everybody was awesome. But we just didn't get the results that that we thought we would get that year. And I was kind of getting burnt out towards the end. And, and I was like, all right, well, you know, not going to renew the contract. It was kind of mutual. And I'm still good friends with everyone there. And it just didn't work out the way we wanted it to. And, you know, maybe I'll be back one day to race, depending on how I feel. But um, that kind of, that whole year was just... I think off track, the memories I have, like it was amazing. And I probably learned more ironically of going work driving with them than I ever have, which, so I, I'm always going to be indebted in that way. But, um, at the same time, it's, it just wasn't, you know, wasn't fun. Um, and, and a lot of that was me too, cause I put a lot of pressure on myself and I got burnt out and I think that was kind of partially the reason. So I was like, all right, well, I'd rather go help the young drivers and work with them. And to me, that's actually more rewarding so, is that what you're doing now um well, right now i'm trying to figure out what i want to do i don't know if i want to keep doing that or maybe go more into the sponsorship side and, and work in f1 and nascar and indycar is kind of one thing i really want to do um but i also love working with the driver so we'll see corky um i was uh i i don't know who the guy is but i fell into the rabbit hole about a week ago and a dude got to drive a, I think it was a 2014 Renault car, hmm. not one of the shells with a V8 in it. It was a real F1 oh, okay. car that, you know, idles at 10,000 RPM. <laughs> and um, he did, uh, it was like a three-day process where he had to go do some Formula 4 mm -hmm. and then did a couple transition cars mm -hmm. and then gets four hot laps mm -hmm. in this real F1 car. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, and you get to watch him you know, his, he did cart and then he had done bunches of karting and then he goes and does this formula four and his like mind was blown. And the guy's <laughs> like, well, just imagine about four times that mm -hmm. or whatever the horsepower differential was. He was like, mm -hmm. he's like a six times that or four times that. And he was just like, oh my God. <laughs> and and when they, when they put him in the F1 car, of course, whole team is around, you know, it's a to do. They just to get the car going and all mm -hmm. these people around. There's machines that go bing and they get him in the get him in the car and you know, he's just like you know, he's a tall guy and he's like, I, I, I couldn't believe how like claustrophobic and mm -hmm. then he gets in the car and he can't get going. Because it's just hard. He goes, You, you don't want to wreck it, you don't you wanna kinda of feel it out, but you can't get the wheels you can't get the wheels warm and and he goes and then when he finally got it going he's like he tells him you know they told him push the brakes as hard as you can and he's like i basically pushed the brakes as hard as my legs would allow yeah. and it wasn't enough yeah and he goes uh i didn't know how violent it was mm -hmm. and you mentioned that a moment ago when you were talking about uh the the series that you raced in um it, it's pretty violent it's very athletic isn't it it's it's super physical i think actually in my opinion like 
karting is is more in a sense physical and more violent um because you don't have suspension so like when i raced like you could probably ask my parents this if you ever meet them but um it constantly from when i was driving every week like your body always is black and blue like your sides your back you're always sore and then on top of that a lot of the physical training that i do so that's why i was doing a lot of cross training for my whole career because i mean okay like a final like in karting usually do you know on a race day you do qualifying which isn't that much isn't that many laps um probably three laps in my class because the tire was so soft so you'd have to just you'd have one lap essentially you do the warm-up lap a push lap and then maybe the third lap but after that the tire falls off the performance so much it's you're just wasting your time so you had one lap to do that essentially to get the sweet spot and then um usually depending on the series you had two pre-finals and a final Sometimes it was one pre-final final. So like one pre-final would be, I don't know, eight, depending on the track, 18 laps. And then the final is like a 25 lap final. And when the track doesn't have a lot of rubber on it, it's still really physical. Like the average person can't even drive like a rental cart without feeling sore essentially. But when the track would have a lot of grip, um, because some of the karting tracks, like especially in Europe, the the grip level is so high because the tire they use is different. Um, and then also the, so the, the lateral, so the lateral loads can be crazy. It's insane. Yeah. And it's really physical cause you don't have power steering. You don't have anything. So you're steering through this grip and sometimes the cart gets stuck and it goes on two wheels. So you go into the corner and then it just gets violent. It just catches and then it goes on two wheels. And sometimes people flipped over from the grip. Um, and it's unlike car racing cause car racing, you're a lot of the time you're looking for more grip always cause the, you have suspension and stuff. So it's not going to get bogged down a cart. Like once the track takes a certain amount of rubber, a lot of like you and your mechanic or the team manager, you're always trying to take out grip from the cart because if it's overstuck, you don't want it to overhook. Yeah, exactly. You need it yeah. to have some slip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, cause it's a, it's just a solid axle. Yeah. So like when you go into the corner on a cart, like you turn and it has caster and then it, the inside wheel is always going to lift. So then when you go around the corner, you want the inside wheel free. And then once you unwind the steering wheel, it sits down. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have obviously too much grip, then. It's a problem if you don't have enough grip. It's also a problem. So, um, how long would a race last doing the karting? Um, so twenty-five laps is probably, I don't know, average track. Honestly, don't really. I never knew because I just never. I don't know. Probably twenty minutes or so. I, I'm. I'm. I was uh, as as I've watched some videos on. I'm taken aback by is. I don't know if anybody's ever gotten in one of these carts before, but the seat is like gripping you from all over and a guy my size can't even get in the goddamn thing. I mean, they're made for little guys and they kind of wrap all around you and they're very, very confining and holding you in. And you're like, ah, this is awful, but you could not possibly make it around the course if you weren't being just Mm frigging held in by the seat. And there's Mm -hmm. no roll bars. Mm -hmm. You wear a helmet, but there's no roll bar. So if you flip it over, the goal is it's supposed to spit you out so you don't Mm -hmm. get all fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you had anybody get killed since you've been racing? Um, not that I, well, no, not that I knew personally. I think there was, um, there were a couple kids that got killed, um, I believe in the U S but I think they were like kind of freak accidents. Like, so it's pretty safe. It's really safe. But yeah. It looks like it shouldn't be like from yeah. the outside looking in when I see them go around they're so fucking fast, yeah. and they turn so... Like, yeah. okay, so if you're at an air show, okay, and I'm just relating, like, speed sports to what I know, okay? Mm-hmm. 
you see a jet fly by it near supersonic, just subsonic, Mach 0.93 or Mach 0.95. It's pretty fast looking, but jets are bigger than you think. You see an F-18 sitting next to a 737, you're like, oh, mm -hmm. the jet's actually kind of big. Mm -hmm. um, and you see a little tiny jet fly by like uh, the Harriers. They're a little tiny jet. Harrier jump jet flies by. It could be going... 70% is fast, but it looks so much faster because it's tiny. The carts are so small. It's just like mm -hmm. a dude in four wheels. Yeah. When you see them go by, it's it takes a minute for your brain to compute. So it looks, when I've watched video, I just see guys' hands moving so mm -hmm. fast, and I see their heads shaking, and then I see the violence turning left and turning right and getting slammed around. Are you kind of wiped out after a race? Yeah, Um I think it's, I've always kind of seen it as a, because my background when I was a kid, I raced motocross. So it, it's kind of like a a cross between a motorcycle and a car. So it's it's really physical. Like to be at the top level, it's really physical. Um, the average person probably couldn't even really put around without getting a sore neck at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, that that's the part that looks the craziest to yeah. me. And there's no like Hans device no. or brace for the neck or head or anything. They have, I mean... The juniors have to wear them, um, and then anyone under junior, so the cadets and the juniors have to in the U.S., but I mean, once you, I think, reach 14, 13 or 14, I can't remember, you can choose to not wear one, so I just never wore one, because it's just, to me, it's not comfortable, like, I I think it messes up the posture, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot of neck, shoulders, um, I mean, your whole body, your knees get beat up from the tank, uh, your hips, your back, like, it's, um, yeah, it's a really physical sport, for sure, but no one can really compartmentalize it unless they've probably done it or they have like an understanding like you're saying but yeah a lot of people don't don't understand it's it's extremely physical for sure yeah i mean it looks like you know all the guys seem to have a very similar similar physique first of all super young um what's old in 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 the f1 30, um, 30 is retired. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is a game for young men with amazing stamina and recovery capability because it looks like it would tear mm -hmm. you up. Who's the guy that um, uh, the guy uh, that was dominating for a decade there, driving for Mercedes? What's his name? Oh, Hamilton. Yeah, Ham is he, is he still dominating, or did the no. other guy, the other guy won finally? Verstappen. Yeah, this it, year he didn't. Hamilton went uh, winless, I believe. Actually, um, Russell, his teammate, won. In Brazil, I think last month, but that so, was it. So what happened to that team? They dominated for a decade, and and now they got to find some new cheat to be faster, mm -hmm. or they got to find much. somebody else. Yeah. That steering thing they did was crazy. Mm -hmm. The DAS, uh, yeah. The did DAS. everybody start doing that? No, I think they changed it or outlawed it. I think, but I don't know. That was the one where, under certain, it would change the toe, I believe. Like yeah, under the wheel when they were slower, when they were faster, right? Mm -hmm. In a corner, like I think when they got on the brakes, the wheel would go forward, I believe, or something, and it kind of adjusted the toe. And the, then when they the got the pressure of the wheel, yeah, yeah. And, and then, then when yeah. they and when they pulled mm -hmm. back, it, it it dampened it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought that was fucking genius. Clever. Yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. genius. Yeah. I mean, leave it to the cuckoo clock making motherfuckers of Germany to come up with that. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. hilarious. I remember when that popped out and they showed a video of it and on like, board. Yeah, and I was like. Oh, that's sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the wheel kind of popped in and out to do mm -hmm. that. So, um and so now is it Red Bull that's uh the who, who won? I mean, I didn't I only know cuz watching Cause the, the series. Show. I don't watch the Yeah, Red Bull last year was close and then this year they just like, dominated. Slogged every, yeah, like it was game over. Like I think he won Max won 14 races maybe or something insane. 
But I mean, carding, he was the same. He was always that way. So he was a beast. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think he won. And he's a German, right? Uh, he's Dutch. Yeah. Oh, he's Dutch. Okay. Yeah, his dad raced. His dad was really good, actually. Too. A lot of people don't give his dad credit, but Yoss was really good. He was actually Schumacher's teammate. Um, I don't know what year that would have been. Ninety four, probably ninety five. Um, and he was good, but he never. I don't think he ever had the right situation to to be able to like win races but he always out drove the machinery he was in but i mean max is just in karting i think he won the senior single speed like at the time it was called it was, it's okay now so he won that world championship and i think european championship and then he also did won the gearbox world championship the same year which is i don't know how many times it's happened i think the only other time that might have happened was I don't know, 20 years before. I could be wrong on that. But uh, Tr Yarno truly did that, and he was another Formula 1 driver that was good. So, um, yeah, winning both premier classes doesn't really... It's a rare thing. Yeah, in yeah. karting. Because usually you're 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 kind of in karting, and then once you hit 15 or 14, 15, you start testing the car, or 14, and then you're kind of out now. So I think Yoss left Max in a little bit longer, which I think was fine. He, beat, he raced Leclerc, beat Leclerc in that... Um, Russell, like they all raced each other. So, um, you know, any of the up and comers that fanboys should be looking out for? Um, yeah, I think a couple. Um, so one guy that we had actually at the comp the agency I was working with, Oliver Behrman, he's, um, where's he from? He's from England, but he's a basically super talented, really nice kid, really nice family too. But, um, He's actually a Ferrari junior driver now. So um, he had won a world championship in karting and then went straight to, in 2020, he did some F4 stuff, was already fast straight away. And then um, last year, 2021, he dominated the German and the Italian Formula 4 championships, which I don't think has been won by, I don't think both of them have been won in the same year by a driver ever. I think he was the first to do that. And then this previous this year, 2022, he did Formula 3. He won like two races, was really good. And then next year, he's just jumping straight to Formula 2. So I think he's one of the youngest kids that's coming up. I think he's only 17. <laughs> um, and he's he's really talented. Like he could be maybe the next Ferrari driver if, if everything goes well. Um, and then I have a couple of other guys, like a friend of mine. I grew up, he's way younger than me, but... Um, he is doing Indy Lights this year, so I don't know if you're familiar with like IndyCar. Um, so like the last, it's basically like the Formula Two version to get to IndyCar. So they have Indy Lights. It's called well, it was always Indy Lights. Now it's called Indy Next, is what they're gonna call okay. it. But he's jumping up into that, and his name's Jagger Jones. Um, I knew him from karting because I raced on one of the teams with him, and he's he was always in the mini and the junior karts, and I was always the gearbox. So I was always kind of way older, but. Um, his grandpa's Parnelli, so his grandpa won the Indy 500, and then his dad PJ was, you know, won a bunch, won Daytona 24 hour raced Indy car, and he so he comes from a really strong Coming lineage, race heritage. yeah. But he's really good, super good, nice kid, um, really talented. So I think testing, he was telling me that he was doing pretty well. So um, I'm, what, I'm what's the racing? What's the profile of a racing kid? Are they rich kids with indulgent fathers? Are they? Uh, legacy kind of hillbilly racer types um, what do you, what do you what, what's is there a kind of it's uh is there a profile nowadays it's it's a lot of like wealthy fathers or just you have a big backer behind you like uh somebody that's um like there's a kid from um Barbados that's in formula 3 or 2 
he was always a good driver, but I don't I don't know what his budgeting is. But there's a bunch of people in Barbados, like a small country like that, that oh, so are paying for it. Right, they like formed a little coalition. Behind yeah, them. and they do that with like a lot of drivers from New Zealand, the countries like that. Like okay. they have like a bunch of backers because like if you come from New Zealand, a lot of the people like the economy is not the best there. Like they don't. Right. It's a small country, but yeah. you it is easier to rally behind you. Like Brazilian drivers too. Like they have a lot of businesses that get behind them and support them and in the u.s that was pretty unheard of until really right now i mean i think there's an opportunity now because everyone loves formula one now but um back in the day i mean scott speed i don't know if you're familiar with him but he was uh supported by red bull in like mid 2000s and he was a really good driver and made it to formula one but red bull stepped up and wanted an american driver at the time so they ran um the red bull driver search and they literally went to every track they went to drag strips dirt ovals pavement ovals go-kart tracks like every form of racing and they had this national driver search thing and then in the end like it was between i think colin fleming who his dad used to do a lot of the karting engines for us so colin was really good and then i believe now he works and works for a company that sponsors f1 but so they, they, these guys they have to kind of grow up doing this do, do mm -hmm. people just show up at 13 and are gifted at it not anymore really i mean I'm, it's possible it's definitely possible but that's pretty rare so um i i take my son out to uh, one of the indoor okay. car karting things you know they got like basic level and then they got the fast level which i know is not really karting compared to what you've done but um i i go in the i do the little the hot laps in their fast sessions which are super fun mm -hmm. and uh there's a little kid that comes down there i don't know he's way too young you either have to be licensed or you have to go test mm -hmm. to, to race in the fast carts okay it's um Octane Raceway over okay. there in Scottsdale. The kid I think's maybe eight or nine years old, and he's got a custom helmet, and uh, <laughs> he comes and just dominates everybody. And I'm usually like when I go, I'm 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 always the fastest guy on the track, and he comes and it's <laughs> you know I've battled it out with him, and I'm just like I walk away, and this like nine year old kid kicks the shit out of me. He yeah. might be ten or eleven now, but. Um, and you know, my son who's 14 is watching, he's like, what's going on here? And his mom says he's got some karting background. He's just so fast. And I, the, you know, the, the carts are supposedly the same speed and he, <laughs> he probably, well, he probably only weighs like, you know, well, that's true. Pounds, that's true. Pounds, he, it's true. Even. He weighs half my weight. That probably matters a little bit. But I mean, still, but he could just kind of, he's just makes no mistake and he's faster at every little turn he's mm -hmm. getting a little bit every time mm -hmm. i'm like god damn it <laughs> drives me crazy <laughs> so there's just a bunch of little kids out that are getting uh they, they know how to pick a line and and drive mm -hmm. fast and yeah i mean the, the kids that i've worked with like they're uh, they're a high level like they're already racing at a national level so i mean they've been taught a lot of the basics up to that point but at the same time i think any driver needs to be reminded a lot of basic things too because you can get lost basically in the sauce so like during a weekend if you're off the pace or like you know maybe the team's upset with you or whatever or there's different people kind of barking orders like my job was mainly to be like the mentor or the coach and then also filter the information because a lot of kids they can't really explain what the cart's doing because you go out and do a session and then you come in and then you have like the data engineer, like a telemetry guy is asking, okay, let's go over the data. Let's go over the onboard video. Right. And the kid's just like, hey, I, I just started mm -hmm. wearing shoes. Yeah. Some of them. <laughs> I mean, a couple of the kids I worked with were really talented and they had natural feel. And if they have natural feel and they know what the cart's doing, then I'm like, okay, like that's good. But I would still be the filter because they're still prone to 
to just, especially when they're frustrated. Like I had a kid recently that I worked with that had a lot of feel, can just tell me what the cart's doing, but I would still have to watch every session to make sure. And then when he'd get frustrated, he would just be like, oh, well, it's doing this. But it would, he would kind of say things that were, and it's normal with kids. It'd be inaccurate. Yeah, it's inaccurate and it's contradicting sometimes, which is normal. I mean, they're Right, because like they've got an inner struggle going on or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I noticed after watching the show, it looks to me like an amazingly, just like a, you know, I've worked with high-level athletes in tennis. I've worked with professional basketball players. I've worked with NFL guys. Uh, and I've worked with, you know, top 100 tennis players doing um i used to do a lot of mental stuff at that peak level it seems like the mental component of it is gigantic Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's i don't know i i think that's probably i would say the most important i think (laughs) uh in a sense because at least in karting you have you know five six sessions a day to go out like practice sessions like on a race weekend like on a thursday or sometimes a Friday, depending on the series, you have a bunch of chances to go out and fix things. And when you get to cars, I think the mental game's bigger because when you're in F4, F3, you show up to a weekend and you're not the headline series. You're just a support series for IndyCar or Formula One or whatever it is. So you get maybe two 15-minute practice sessions at best, and then you're straight into qualifying. And so it's like... So it's racing all the time, practically. Pretty much, yeah. So it's like figured out. So go out, learn the track figure everything out go in talk to your engineer like it's barely 15 minutes is barely enough time to do anything really so and there's got to be a huge amount of visualization required mm-hmm. and as i as i see the guys uh and you know i see guys walk the course and i've got friends who race and they know like every turn every mm-hmm. lead in of every track and if we're talking about tracks that i've raced on uh in porsches or whatever um, I, I don't know. I just go out and find a line it, and have yeah. some fun and do it. They're really crazy about it. And they'll be like, oh, do you mean like turn door after the chicane? I'm like, no, man, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. But they know every single turn of the course. And I know, noticed when I was uh, watching the show, if it's very, they don't get bogged down in it because it will bore like mm-hmm. uh, casual uh, fans. But you can hear the guys, they're familiar with every track, every turn, mm-hmm. Every direction, like oh, how the wind affects this straightaway, it's a very, very granular uh, head game. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys too. Once you get to Formula One, you've been racing on all those tracks since you're in F4. You know? Right. So that's probably six, seven years. They're intimately that. aware with the track. Yeah, and and same with karting. Like in the U.S., like I've been to pretty much all the tracks a few times at least, at least twice. So it's like you, year after year, you know, like you kind of have a mental. Or or a physical notebook too. That was another thing I did. But I I would always be like, all right, well, when the track when it reaches one o'clock, the headwind comes in at this track, or the the track gets slower in the afternoon, or whatever, and it doesn't take grip, or vice versa. And this is what we did last year with the setup. We used this axle. We were caster this this much caster, vice versa. The tire pressure was this. Because um, most of the tracks, I mean, they change, but from year to year they don't change if that makes sense like on a day they change right, right? no I, I i get what you mean it's a living beast in its environment and if yeah. you know it this year it's next year it's the same mm-hmm. unless like you get some weird inclement weather or sure. something that changes sure. everything but um yeah you you kind of just learn the tracks and know them so all those guys have been racing all those tracks since they were in junior formula basically so what's it cost um for a kid to competitively cart for a year um at a club level, it's relatively cheap, so you can kind of get started. Um, they have a class called 
like Brig, it's like a Briggs and Stratton basically. Um, and for a beginner, it's more than enough, I think, to to learn. But you know, you can probably buy a cart secondhand, pretty cheap, full cart, like less than three thousand dollars, maybe. And what what would the season cost them? Um, you don't have to Ish. buy the club season. I honestly, you can probably do that on one set of tires. I would guess one or two sets of tires, entry fees. I would say. Three thousand bucks, probably for a full season. That plus, might plus, that might be so high. Three thousand for card, three thousand for season. Yeah, at a club level, yeah, and that might even be high. You could okay. probably do less than that, really. But um, it, are there a lot of kids out there that are talented but don't have the money? Oh, that's a lot. Of, yeah, there's a lot of people. Yeah. All right. What if what if like uh, what if I wanted to sponsor like ten drivers to do ten seasons like that? Um. Well, so like the clients I had. Um. I mean, not just them. I mean, we we did it fairly cheap. Um. Because the agency I worked for, like they knew all the teams. We always negotiated good terms. But I mean, some kids in Europe spend. I mean, for a season of European karting, you can spend one hundred fifty to three hundred thousand euro or US dollar, which, which at that point you're almost that to starts F4. being grown up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I think that's a lot. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, it's uh, once someone's talented, are there people to step in and uh, pair with? Or, it depends. Or yeah. if you reach the end of your dad's checkbook, it your kind of career ends. Um, well, in karting, it's you don't really get many corporate partners. I mean, the guys that go professional, you usually your racing's paid for, but you're also working for the team. Essentially, it's like not the team, but the manufacturer, almost like a slave. Like you can, a lot of guys in Europe, they they go out to the track and do driver training for the younger drivers. They work in the factory, they run the dyno. So it's kind of like, are you getting paid to work for them? And then your racing is just free, but that's professional karting. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, car racing, I mean, a lot of the guys won't get paid until they're, you know, make it to the top level. And it's partially like, it's a percentage of probably what a sponsor's the total sum that they're paying the team they probably get a salary out of it is usually how it works but um yeah it's uh it's definitely increased the cost the last 10 well, years i'm gonna talk to you about it i i feel i i feel like it's interesting i i'd like to get a sense for kind of what the feeder is out here i wonder if i mean there's probably not that many eyes i mean nobody goes to watch this it's just mm-hmm. the families and the kids that are doing mm-hmm. it so the problem is it's this really high performance endeavor and no one's paying attention mm-hmm. because it's really the biggest fans are the parents, mm-hmm. siblings, and buddies, and, and the drivers. They're yeah. the biggest fans of that group. Yeah, and, and club level, you're never really going to get fans, per se. I mean, we do have in the U.S. the biggest race of the years in Vegas at the end of the year each year, and it's kind of in the Rio. It's changed locations, so usually it's in the Rio uh, parking lot. But the year before, it was in um, the Planet Hollywood parking lot, and then in the past, it's been at the Westgate parking lot. So it moves every year. But, I mean, you get over 500 drivers internationally. So you have a lot of the top karting drivers come over. It's kind of like a one-off race. And there's still a decent amount of people that show up. Maybe they walk to the casino, and they see the signage, and they go out and see it. But when you go to Europe, I mean, there's still a decent amount of people over there. Like, it's televised. Our races in the U.S. used to be televised. Um, and I think they still are on a streaming platform for Motor Trend. But... Um, and YouTube, but over in Europe, it's on like Eurosport or like, like they're in the Italian newspapers. The Italian. Well, they're into it. Yeah. And there's still probably three, 4,000 people could show up to a, you know, a big race over there. Um, so it's, it's definitely different, but I mean, back in the day here, like late nineties, I think it was, um, like all these races that we had, they're on ESPN. Um, they had a couple street races. They had one called, um, Momo Grand Prix, which was, I think, in the Anaheim Stadium, or not in it, but like in the parking lot for the Angels, and that was on ESPN, um, and that was huge. But it was part of a festival, so it was like 
right. had a big go-kart race, which I thought was kind of smart. And then they had all these other events around. So it got all these people here and it was on sports center. And then we had one more recently, um, called Lancaster. So they're essentially like temporary circuits. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, a lot of times these shows, like when Orange County Choppers came out, there were 50 little spinoffs of it that used mm-hmm. that exact same formulaic approach. be interesting to see if um, they were to do it with karting, because I bet there's a lot of cool drama around mm-hmm. the kids and their families kind of like scraping it together to go out there and try and kick ass and do this. They, they had one in 2013, 14. I don't know how many seasons. It was terrible, but it was called Cart Life, and it was like a really terrible reality show. Um, but they've kind of, um, there's a couple guys on YouTube that do a broadcast for all the karting in the U S now, and they do a really good job and they've kind of put out a drive to survive type of like YouTube series. It's, um, forget it didn't really have a name, but, um, yeah, it, the, the YouTube channel is called cart chaser. So my friend runs it and he's kind of the producer and everything. It was kind of his brainchild essentially now it's taken off and now they have a full-scale production operation and they're a bunch of college kids like that have like backgrounds in in videography and stuff and they do an amazing job like it's it's kind of something i always wanted to see and i think you have to pay to subscribe but they have a lot of free content as well so they they're really doing a good job with that but um yeah it's uh my my goal was to do like a drive to survive type of thing um but it was hard to pitch it because a lot of people don't understand it which I think was the same as F1, but now people, if they understand it, I think they'll buy into it. And I yeah. think they would find it more fascinating than even car racing. But um, that's kind of one thing I always wanted to do. But I don't know. The, the big thing, you know, it, uh, the F1 is it, it's a grand scale. Like if you look at the McLaren operation or you look at any of the race operations, and if you begin to touch on the rules and you understand how they have to build a car from this period to this period, and they just have to go race, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable oh it's it's absurd it's yeah. amazing you know like every now and then, i don't know what was the team a couple years ago was it um they just, they just skipped the season was it mclaren no um I don't, you oh you mean the development in the development they, they just skipped the whole season they, they like uh decided to just start next year's car early you mean no no they or? just passed on a whole year of racing because they weren't ready in time i don't remember um, um who's the family um british family um Kind of, it's a private. Oh man, I, I wish I knew, knew all the names a little bit better. Um, it's right on the tip of my tongue, and that's what happens when you get a little bit older, Cole. You oh damn it, I forget the name of the uh, the family, but they it was a female. The Williams. Was, team? Wh- wh- yeah, yeah, didn't they take? Didn't Williams miss a season of no, racing or something? No, but they had a lot of issues going on. I think they almost, they probably almost went bankrupt. I'm sure, but yeah, I mean, it's a big operation, and you can like miss you can mm-hmm. you can miss out I mean, yeah. you could not be ready it's crazy yeah yeah they got bought out by um a venture capital fund luckily which is probably good or else it would have went under but, yeah so um but yeah those guys i mean when i was a kid it was williams was the top it was like williams and mclaren like they they were like for i mean even before i was born for about 10 years but even before that they just sweep the floor with everybody and and they were always the top team so it's kind of weird now to see them kind of at the back, they do have um, their driver lineup for 23 is exciting. It's Logan Sargent's actually the first American that they signed. He's the first one to be to start a race, or he will be, since I think Alexander Rossi in 2015 or so. So 
it's good to see him. And he was a karting world champion. Um, I remember him and his brother in karting were amazing. His What's bro- his name? Uh, Logan Sargent. Okay. And he, I think... <laughs> what a great manly name, Logan yeah, Sargent. Yeah, I think they're from Florida. And then his brother was also really talented, and he did NASCAR for a little bit, and then just, I don't know what he does now. I think he just... That lives a normal life. So, um, what do you think happens with the Haas team? Do they ever get it together with that uh, German guy leading the? Lead? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Would, I would love for them to get it together. Yeah, Gene, um, he's invested a lot of money into that. Yeah, yeah. So it's. Uh, I, I, I yeah. helped him get some of that money. You know, yeah, all exactly. my Haas machines here for God's sake. I saw those. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> I see, it. and it's VF. So I'm like, that's what their car model's called. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, I was thinking about um. What was the uh God, what was the other kid that I wanted to talk to you about? Oh uh, well, it it's uh it slipped out of my mind a little bit, but the whole thing's kind of crazy. Um I've I've enjoyed the hell I've I've enjoyed the hell out of watching the uh Drive to Survive series. I can't wait for the next episode to come out. I'm not really set up. I like I don't I don't have any broadcast television or anything, so I don't have any way to watch mm-hmm. like live races. I don't even know when they happen. So I don't even follow it. I don't want to ruin the season because I, I don't <laughs> you just wait. I, I just I just wait. You're like, yeah. I don't know who won this year. You're like, how are you a fan and don't know? Well, I only watch the I'm show. Wait the sh- yeah. It'll be interesting to see if the show um does something to expand people's consci- consciousness to kind of get into it a little bit. I think I think the woke thing is I think the being the whole woke thing and kneeling before the race mm-hmm. thing and all that turning it into a big racial awareness thing. I think it's a loser for the for the sport mm-hmm. in general. I think everyone's just had enough of all that crap. Can you just drive mm-hmm. the goddamn cars yeah. and drink champagne at the end? <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. Um I think it's uh changed a little bit now since 2020 so hopefully it it seems like they've dropped the the agenda a little bit but um you look at other sports like they weren't doing it like MotoGP didn't do it that i recall i don't remember them doing anything like that um andy carr i don't think really did much um i don't even i mean nascar actually did a little bit which i don't understand but i don't you know they were i think they were trying to make up for that whole noose with debacle that turned out to be phony it it wasn't even real right 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 yeah that was uh that that part's a little tough because I'm like I don't like it, but yeah. uh well so um you've got so basically uh, the world's your oyster right now you're trying to figure out your next next thing um yeah so I I kind of like I said want to work um in the sponsorship side so I within F1 so the agency I was with like I dabbled a little bit on doing sponsorship deals like brokering essentially for teams in, in Formula One and IndyCar and, and Premier League like soccer and stuff like that. So that's kind of the direction I'd love to go. So whether that's Formula One would be the goal, but I mean, I'm, I would be open to IndyCar and NASCAR. Um, so I have a couple options that I'm trying to develop there. And then I love working with the drivers. So um, if I can do that, that'd be great too. But One of the most, uh, one of the fun things that's happened in the last few years is Gene Haas uh, flew me and a couple of guys up to the Brickyard 400. Oh, that's cool. To sit in his box with them and kind of watch the races. That was great fun. And um, I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, Indianapolis uh, Speedway there, mm-hmm. but it's got a, it co- also opens up and does a cart uh, road course there mm-hmm. that's not the big oval. Yeah. Um, have you raced on that course? No, there's a big track. So they, they started doing that, I don't think, too long ago, 2018 maybe. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. 19. Um, but yeah, that's ca- it's called Battle at the Brickyard. So it's not like a, it's not like per, like a professional race per se. It's, it's. I'm sure there's some fast guys that show up, but it's more just kind of like club level and then run what you brung type of thing. But it's kind of slowly becoming a highlight one-off. But there's a big track 
that we go to all the time for all the big races um, in Newcastle, which is I want to say an hour. Newcastle, where Pennsylvania? No, no, it's in Indy, so it's like an it's a little town, middle of nowhere. Oh, it's okay. an hour east, I think, on the I seventy. If you just keep going, and Mark Dismore, who was an Indy car driver built it and owns it and it's one of the nicest tracks in the country and, and it's amazing I mean, what kind of track is it a cart track mm-hmm. yeah okay. yeah so um it's about a mile long it's it's massive um and it has a lot of like really fun blind corners elevation change like super long straightaways and it's probably one of the best co- tracks in the country um and that's a track we go to quite a lot actually to do big races very but, cool um yeah they do have one at the brickyard i mean they've they have a bunch of crazy stuff going on there you the know time. the the uh, motorsports and f- speed and being close to the ground is just so fucking cool. It's yeah, it feels way faster too when you're that close to the oh, ground. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, is there anything on the horizon with electric carts? Um, yeah. So last year, there's a company called. Um, are you probably familiar with Rotax? They do like yeah, some, yeah, yeah. So they make a karting engine, like a spec one, and they've made it like that. To me, that's like the as spec as you can get. So that's literally like. Their, their whole deal is kind of cool if you're like into spec racing. And I think like for like a hobby carter, it's a two, they're all two-stroke engines, but um, you can go get a Rotax and you just pound around and it'll last forever. But there's an event they do. It's called the World Final of Rotax. And it's essentially like the Olympics. So like each um, team or country gets a team. So I went in 2021 with Team USA. One of my drivers went. Um, but you have like Portugal, U.S., you know, England, every country gets a team basically. And you show up in each class, like, um, the, it changes events each year or location. So last year's in Bahrain. So the Formula One track in Bahrain, like they have a karting track, which is literally one of the, probably the nicest karting track I've ever been to. It's literally like the Formula One track, but miniature. It has like oh, that's cool. garages, lights, like hospitality. Oh, that's super the whole cool. Thing. That's like, super cool. It's amazing. And how about the track? Is the track the same layout? No, no, oh, okay. it was its own layout. But okay. um, yeah, it was amazing. And so basically each class, they have like mini, micro, junior. They, uh, they all have the exact same cart, like brand for each class. So everyone's on the same cart. Everyone go, you go get your engine, you go get your tires. And it's basically like a spec as it gets. So you can only change certain things on the cart. So it's kind of to make it all about the driver. And I think that concept's really cool. Um, and that was an amazing experience to go do. But they had a, um, they're developing an electric cart and it's really heavy, really big, really cumbersome, ugly, <laughs> like it doesn't look good. And the carts are slower than the two strokes and it'll probably get faster one day, but I, I'm not really into electric. To Listen, honest, so. I think the electric thing, I, 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 I look, I'm a radial engine, fast airplane guy. I like Merlin engines. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've had fighter aircraft and all kinds of cool stuff. And I thought the electric car things just so gay not in a sex way just in an inappropriately unmasculine way ev and i drove i drove i drove a plaid and i was like okay it's fast i mean i drive a I drive a 911 turbo for god's sake (laughs) i i like fast cars yeah i got in a rivian suv the other day Mm mm-hmm They've got a Rivian place he opened around the corner, and we had one of their engineers come through and said, oh, you got to come over. And I went over and test drove it, and I kind of rolled my eyes. I My head almost exploded. The car, it, it's an SUV. It weighs 7,500 pounds. It's not as fast as my Porsche, but almost. The torque. And the takeoff and get going is like a turbo. It was unbelievable. And I was like, okay, well, 
just from a pure motorsports perspective, I appreciate this so much. Yeah. I'm like, I think I'm gonna get one. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd rather have a flat six turbo, but yeah, uh, it's definitely. I mean, it's gonna come a long way, but I also think there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people don't pay attention to that it's not good. So. Oh, you mean yeah. like the environment and yeah. all of that? Well, like, you know, they're, they're getting really good recycling the batteries now. So, I, look, I've talked about this too. You, the, it's it's only good for the environment if you look at it through a soda straw. If you look at the whole <laughs> life cycle of the product, yeah. it's not necessarily great for the environment. But from a selfish me going around mm-hmm. like motorsports thing, mm-hmm. holy shit. Yeah. And, the they, other, <laughs> and you don't ever have to do the brakes on them. Cause yeah. It, 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 they're <laughs> like, it's expensive having fast cars. Mm-hmm. These things are rip roaring. Like I think they're too fast for like house frows to be driving mm-hmm. the kids around. Yeah, because it'll go 125 miles an hour, so fast and you can even hear it too. Yeah, which is <laughs> kind of dangerous. It, no, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's um everyone's kind of going that way. So they have Formula E, which has been around for eight nine years now, and it's basically like formula one but like electric essentially and the whole like grid is super talented like they're all ex formula one drivers like dudes that are legit and the racing is really fun to watch it's just hard because there's no noise it's just it's uh, we're gonna adjust at some point like i'm 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 a lot older than you are and even i was kind of like Okay, well, this is so just quiet. Cool. Yeah, and you hear the tires screeching, and pe- so they play music. I think at those races, like loud music type of thing, to kind of like drown out the awkwardness. But um, the racing is good. So it is an awkward silence watching mm-hmm. quiet racing because yeah. in Formula One, it's deafening, and you can yeah. hear it for miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then they have Extreme E, which is basically the same thing, but like an off-road series. So everyone's kind of doing their own, trying to go that direction. That's hilarious. So um, I think Rallycross has it too. But yeah, it's kind of the way everything's going. It's so. funny too because Americans who haven't been around that kind of thing, they don't realize how loud it is. Yeah, no, like it's if super you, loud. F one cars, I think they rev at twenty two thousand RPM or something crazy. Do you know how fast they? Are? Um, I don't know what the turbos, but the V tens were really loud. Those were like nineteen thousand rpm twenty thousand and those things were like ear piercingly no crazy like, and you can and, i mean you can hear them from miles away it's, yeah it would, it's literally like hurt your ears yeah like it was i mean it's the best sound ever but it was just like <laughs> it was so painful and the v8s were loud too but the v10s were like that you can't even compare how loud those things were and people don't realize i mean they idle at ten thousand rpm oh, you know yeah. most humans have never been in a car that does more than seven thousand yeah, or eight thousand yeah, rpm yeah, yeah. they idle at ten thousand yeah. rpm yeah the go-karts um back the direct drive class actually um they would rev 19.5 at the top that is then, a crazy rpm and sound that and then that they makes. would blow up and then they would you little axle walks up and <laughs> off the track but um yeah and those are carbureted so it's like you'd have to at the end of the longest straight you you can change like you'd have to choke the air box so it like dumps the fuel in to cool the the piston so all, all those old videos a guy would go in one hand they put his hand over and block it a yeah, little bit and then off and then you can hear like the the engine lock for a second and get on the brakes and then one handed into the corner because a lot of the times it would just seize the engine because they're two strokes so okay so i'm weird i am such an analog dude i love that i love that whole era of like the the world's fastest indian Mm -hmm. you know these guys like building shit in their garages and then dragging it out to the salt flats and racing (laughs) them 
Um, it's gotten, everything is so, like, I, I watched this thing the other day, dude drives an F1 car, when they come back, they played his national anthem with the RPM of the car. Have you seen him do that? <laughs> I think I have seen that video. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Everything has gotten so high tech. I, I hate all the 20 computers attached to a thing. I, I really love that whole era of Carol Shelby. You know, the mm -hmm. guys out there like racing it and then they get some wrenches and adjust it and they talk and adjust it. Mm -hmm. Karting is still kind of yeah. analog. Oh, yeah. The only thing that's not is they, you do have data systems on the carts with like a tiny little screen that shows like lap time temperature, but they've had that since probably the, at least the early 90s. So it's not new. I mean, everything's still carbureted. It's all two stroke engines. Like you have one mechanic, one driver. Mechanic does all the work. Um, it's It's kind of like, old school it's kind of like motocross still too in a sense um but yeah you don't really have you have like a telemetry engineer or data engineer that's but that's not even it's just you pull it up plug it into a computer after a session you look at the trace. And they give you some feedback yeah you can kind of look at g like gps speed trace like all that but. so i had a guy at my house the other day in front of a friend sat down and uh turns out he was on the uh, the Ferrari team and he wasn't on team Ferrari. He was on lend from good, um, Goodyear tires. Hmm. So the tire companies, they can't, they can't, uh, I forget what there's some rules about how they can be involved in race in race teams, at least when he was doing this. So this is back in the sixties hmm, and okay. he's a mathematician and, uh, he, he works for digital. He's, he's pretty high up at digital. The theoretical mathematician. And he came up with the dynamic uh, suspension. So they came up with this idea to put this immediately adjustable, magnetically adjustable strut component on, on so that they could change camber and toe and everything in real time while the car's driving. Oh, um, that was active, active ride. Active suspension. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was cool. So he's the guy who kind of came up with that and did all the math for it and was looking at the data and building the programs to mm -hmm. adjust doing that for Team Ferrari while they dominated. Mm -hmm. So at his house, he's got a bunch of shells of the Ferrari cars oh, really? from the wins. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I want to meet this guy. I know, I know. I was sitting there going, okay, you're kind of my hero because this is kind he of lives, He lives here? Yeah. Um, yeah, he lives down in uh, on the other side of South Mountain, down hmm. by one of the digital uh, wow. uh, facilities. I want to see that guy's collection. <laughs> Super cool. Um, but yeah. talking to him about uh, suspension and geometry and this dynamic suspension, reactive suspension is pretty cool. Yeah, and, they, th and that's in everything now, uh, not in it's cars. It's normal now. Yeah, but, it's normal now. Well, it's funny because they... So the most technologically advanced the Formula One cars I think have ever been was 93. So they had active ride suspension, um, traction control, ABS. I think they had fully automatic gearboxes. Like you could, you didn't even have to shift. Is that gone now? Yeah. Yeah. All that's gone. Um, uh, was it just cost prohibitive? So they said, let's get rid of it or what happened? I think it was partially that. And then also that they were like, well, the drivers, it's too easy. So they banned it for 94 and then they had a bunch of accidents and one person senna got killed in 94 which a lot of people like theories behind it are that they basically designed the cars to run on all those systems and then the fia was the sanctioning body the was like yeah we'll just take the systems away and then the kids guys will drive them and a lot of people say 94 was like one of the hardest years to drive and so it ended up or sorry two drivers got killed senna and rodzenberger got killed and whether that's directly why i don't think i don't know honestly but the cars looked really hard to drive um so that was, 
I don't know. Not, and there, there also wasn't a way to police like the traction control. Like there were certain engineers that would come up back then, like 94, 95. I don't know if you had like a big laptop on DOS or something, but you would plug in on the grid before the race would start. And they would basically have this option where they can code the, the traction control. Like to once the ignition started, it would have traction control the whole race. And then when the ignition died, it would, um, delete the traction control and any trace on the ecu so they were always like a step ahead of the sanctioning body essentially so there was no way for them to like fully police it so they had traction control basically until i think 2004 or end of 04 2005 maybe they got rid- so remember. everybody's always trying to cheat everyone yeah, they can. yeah everyone cheated i mean there's a whole theory behind that <laughs> like um uh i want to say schumacher won the championship in 94 and everyone said oh he had traction control he had start device i mean there's youtube videos of like vhs cameras that a lot of those tracks when they do testing back then and like you can hear him come off the corner and you can hear like traction control like the sound of it when he gets on the gas oh. like it's just it's this weird like you can hear it adjusting yeah it's like the cutting sound yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like okay but then you're like there's no way the other teams didn't have it because everyone's cheating at that point so it's like <laughs> I, yeah, I think everyone was doing it. A lot of people point fingers at one team, but it's like I'm pretty sure everyone they just cheated better. Yeah, is how I see it. Yeah, but, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, wh- what do you think's the deal with Porsche? Are they ever going to get back into formula? I mean, I I thought it was going to happen in this year, and yeah. then something happened with the deal. I don't know what happened. Do you have any idea what happened? I think it was um, from what I heard, they wanted to control more than what Red Bull probably wanted them to because they bought in, and Red Bull's like, well, we want to run our team, and they probably were like, well. And I could be wrong. They want that, to do that's, German style. Yeah, and that's well. They're, I mean, Red Bull is Austrian too, so it's like, I, I don't know. I, it, that's what I heard. I don't know if it's true, but apparently they wanted to control maybe more than they Red Bull wanted. But it's not shocking if you know anything about Porsche. I've been a Porsche guy for a long time. They are mm-hmm. a obsessively controlling bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but they dominate everything they do. I so. know they're so good. Yeah, I, I heard a guy say a great line the other day. He says, "You know, I'm not sure what Porsche is going to be doing in 20 years, but they're going to make." be making a be at uh, the top. six cylinder horizontally opposed four passenger really fast fucking car mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah so i don't know what they're gonna do because i know they have an engine they had it on the dyno for like a way before like over a year before and it's like i don't know if they're just gonna there's no way they would just scrap the deal like i don't think that's possible but at the same time like Audi's gonna be in in 2026 and they're the same umbrella or under the same the vw umbrella so yeah. it's like it is odd to me because they've done that in the past where Audi and Porsche and like sports cars would put these big factory efforts in and they would race each other, but they're owned by the same people. So I never really, I don't understand that. But um, Last thing, have you seen the Formula Ford Formula Ford guys race? Have you seen that around at all? The older ones? Yeah. Like, with no wings? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that used to be when you got out of karting, you always ran Formula Ford 1600 and then 2000, but now it's been replaced with f4 basically but yeah those cars are uh partially i I do think i wish i still wish they had those because it teaches you how to drive with like an h pattern gearbox and like groove tires no downforce but everything's so technologically advanced now too it's like you probably should be learning those systems in an f4 car as soon as you can because with wings because it's the progression ladders so fast it's uh you almost don't have time to waste now so. so there's a vintage racing class of guys who race those okay so i went to buy one about uh two years ago so i go over to paradise valley and this guy's got a and i forget now i forget all the makes but it was one of the really classic makes and there's some british ones van diemen and all those yeah yeah, yeah. so i go over and uh, i'm like it's a really nice 
it's a really nice car and and been taken great care of it's not you know some of them are road hard put away wet it looked almost like a show car and i was like oh i'm gonna race this this is gonna look awful in two years (laughs) i get into it and as i'm getting into it you know they go to chain your hand you know you got to chain your hands and everything and i was like okay get me out done i'm not claustrophobic no fucking uh... way I get down in the goddamn thing and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too heavy now, but I got in it and I was like, I'm like getting positional asphyxiation. And I know this other guy, he was heavier than me and he goes, oh, it'll be okay. Once you get going, because once the wind's in your face, you don't really notice it. You're into the racing. And, uh, they went to put the chains on my hands and everything. And they, they got to chain your hands. So your cans can't fly out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck this, man. There's no way I could do this. It, it's uh, I've, if you ever get strapped in one of those, it is an is an exercise in uh, uh, deep breathing and trying to find a peaceful place because I don't see how the guys get strapped in and can handle it. Yeah, I don't know. I, when I was a kid, I was like somewhat claustrophobic of just single seater cars like that, like where you'd sit in it and you're like, I don't like this because I'm lower than everything. Oh, yeah. But then I, as I got older, I was like, oh, it's, I don't really care. But um. <laughs> Yeah. Usually it's the other way around. Usually as you get older, you're like worse about getting confined. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, uh, been fun having you in. Uh, is there anything that you want to tell us about that you're up to today? Or do you have a website or someplace where people can go to or something that you want to support? Um, yeah. I'm rebuilding my website right now. Um, but if you go uh, on Instagram, I use that most of the time to, to pe- keep people updated. It's Cole, K-O-L underscore bailey b-a-i-l-e-y so if you're interested in learning more about just karting or or motorsports in general or what i'm up to or you know or if you got a business and you want to support some racers he knows how to connect exactly yeah if you want up and coming talent and to be associated with them as well i can i can put you in the right direction so um yeah uh maybe at a racetrack near you too i don't know but all right uh, cool well appreciate you coming in thanks for being here yeah thanks for having me all right sports fans that's the show uh our first show on racing and tracks and you know maybe we'll do more it sounds like fun i'm out